0: Listening to the Testudo Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 117 of the Testudo Times podcast, and for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, the host is stumped on what kind of stupid intro to do. So I'm just going to jump right into it because we do actually have a lot to talk about today. Not that I don't want to make a crappy joke, I just don't have a crappy joke to make. That probably spared a lot of your ears the embarrassment of having to hear them, so uh, be thankful for that. Hi, Thomas. Hello, we're off to a roaring start. I know. I normally prepare some sort of terrible joke, and today I wasn't thinking of one. I don't think there is one. Not right now. Or maybe there is one for later, but I wanted to save that joke. Saving jokes is a good idea. Build to that. Build to the terrible joke, Yes. Build to the bad puns on Twitter, as everybody sees, and then you tweet horrible GIFs of people throwing tomatoes at everyone else. Anyway, uh, Lamar is also here. Lamar, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Yeah. It's good to be back.
0: Yes, it is. There's so much to get to. We'll get to what you're going to be focusing on in a moment. Justin Fitzgerald is also here because he spent most of the weekend, like all of us did, watching lacrosse, and it was a fun weekend watching the lacrosse.
2: It was. It was indeed.
0: Especially when you're in person.
2: Yeah. yeah, it was a good, it was a good time in Annapolis. A lot of success for Maryland there, and in College Park as well against a team from Annapolis.
0: Mhm. So you didn't have to drive very far, and that is good for all of us. So we'll start with lacrosse. No. This show is going. You're going to notice a trend. We start with the really good, then we get to the less than good, and then bad, and then we'll end on good again. So we'll start with the really good, just to which is lacrosse. The men and the women both advancing to the national semifinals as. They always do. Death taxes and Maryland lacrosse being in the final four. Uh, We should start with the women, I think, because I think they had a bigger test than they might have expected against their former head coach against Navy. But then Megan Whittle did Megan Whittle things and everything was good again.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you could say they should have been prepared for a test because it's not like Navy was some fluke quarterfinal team. They went to the final four last year beat North Carolina last year to get to the final four. So it's not like they came in, you know, just expecting to compete and just have fun and see what happens. They had some talented players. I think, forget which Collins twin it was. I think it was Julia scored eight times in Maryland had a face her, which they never do. She exposed, I think, multiple Maryland players due to the wet turf and some shifty moves. And then as you said, you know, Megan Whittle, takes over late after they kind of, whether it was her just being hesitant or Navy trying to take her out of the game, she just took over late. Megan Taylor made some nice saves. And once again, Maryland, they just, even if it doesn't always go well, they just find a way to win.
0: Well, isn't that what and, happens when you have more talent than pretty much everybody? And in the end it wins out.
2: Yeah, but you got to coach it well too. I mean, you got to get everyone on the same page. we see in basketball. Doesn't always work. I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, I mean, yes, they do have more talent than basically every other team in the country. There's probably North Carolina and maybe Boston College this year and in the future will be on similar levels. But for the most part, yeah, they find a way to win because the talent they have. And they somehow stay motivated, even though they literally get to the final four and lose a maximum of one game a season. It's pretty I think impressive. it's
0: because they want to be the best program in the history of all sports. That might be what their motivating factor is now. Because there isn't a program that does what Maryland does in women's lacrosse. <laughs> at, least, at least to our biased eyes, they don't.
2: I think if you go back to when Maryland won the first of its seven straight titles in 90, 1995, I think UConn women's basketball has, a, has had a similar... Stretch of dominance, except that they've done it with one coach and Maryland has sent it with two. But you'd have to look to find teams that, across all sports, do what Maryland has done. There's probably some non-revenue sports thrown in there. But, no, it's ridiculously impressive in the amount of teams that are in women's lacrosse now and the way the, the sport is growing. Like, it's bigger than men's. There's teams out on the West Coast. There's a team in Florida. The Pac-12 is in women's lacrosse. There are a lot of teams out there, and as the sport keeps growing, you don't have, like, you know, five Blue Bloods battling for everything. It's, it's pretty impressive.
0: And Maryland just continues to dominate all of them. So now, you get a rematch of the national title game on Saturday, oh, no, Friday afternoon, I should Friday. say. Friday afternoon at Stony Brook. They'll play Boston College again. That should be fun. Always be fun when you see a rematch of the national title game in the semifinal. They beat Stony Brook to get there. So, what are we thinking about this matchup? <sighs>
2: I think it could go either way. I mean, the big thing for Boston College is that last year, the player, Kenzie Kent, who torched Maryland in the title game, is not playing this year. She's redshirting because she plays hockey as well, so she can play a full year of lacrosse next year. But there's multiple players that have stepped up in her absence, most notably Sam Apuzo for Boston College, who's listed in his attack. But if you look at her numbers, she probably plays midfield, maybe – the eventual Tawaratan winner. She's definitely a threat. They have multiple other players who can score when you try to shut her off and really focus on her. And, I mean, Boston College will be tough. They held a Stony Brook offense that has been rolling all season, I think, to about five or six goals under their season average. And, I mean, they're going to be a team that's motivated, but in a different way than Maryland. I mean, Maryland just has that self-motivation to try to keep winning and get back to that national title game. Boston College, I mean, that was a team that last year, nobody really expected them to beat Maryland in a title game. They gave them a run for their money. They've kind of elevated themselves from Cinderella to that contender position this year. And it wouldn't surprise you if it goes either way. I think Maryland will end up winning. But I think the big key is controlling possession, controlling the draw control. Boston College won, I think, over 75% at the draw last weekend that allowed them to control possession and keep the ball away from a potent Stony Brook offense. So if Maryland can do the same to Boston College, I think they come out on top, but I really think controlling possession is going to be the key because both teams can play.
0: Of course they can. And then if Maryland is to win, they either play James Madison again or North Carolina again.
2: Yeah, I'm not not as familiar with that matchup. I know James Madison beat North Carolina at the beginning of the season. That was a long time ago for both teams. North Carolina has been on a roll recently, including beating Boston College for their only, which Boston College's only loss in the ACC tournament final. I think the big key for North Carolina is they found their goalie. She's a redshirt freshman, Taylor Moreno. I think is making a higher percentage of saves than Megan Taylor did last year. So she's really stepped up for them down the stretch, and I think that's going to be the big key for them is – can she continue to make the plays? And if Maryland goes on to play North Carolina in the title game, can they test her enough to score and not not allow whether it's North Carolina or James Madison to get those similar opportunities on the other end of the field? Personally, I think North Carolina is the tougher matchup, but well, yeah, I think Maryland, Maryland might lost also. Them already. <laughs> yeah, and they're kind of a hotter team, but I also think Maryland kind of wants to they won't say it but they probably want to play them more because Maryland never trailed in that game North Carolina forced overtime late so there might be they might just be you know looking for something be a little more motivated even though they would never tell you that also two years ago still that yeah
0: anyway, they are motivated by that if there's any team that they're motivated to beat it's probably North Carolina because of history
2: yeah it's and the five only Five years one. ago
0: same thing too
2: Go yeah back. but they're almost undefeated in those games, and this year they're not. So well, maybe it's the difference
3: that, Yeah, it's the revenge.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't think it takes this team much to get motivated. If they can get motivated to basically destroy everybody that they play, the only team that plays them remotely tough outside of maybe Boston College is North Carolina. So I think that they're going to uh, probably be motivated fairly significantly if they get past Boston College and play UNC. They'll be motivated to play James Madison too, obviously, for a national title. Yeah, but I, think- I remember – the first game they played James Madison, like, I think James, JMU was ranked higher than them.
3: I think they were ranked number at, one or something
0: like that, or number
3: No, two. JMU was number two, I think.
2: Yeah, because they hadn't lost, in Maryland Yeah, I mean, they
3: had. hadn't lost, Maryland had, and, I mean, but, but everyone knew, you know, who was, everyone kind of knew who was going to win that game, but, you know, and Maryland really took it to them, but obviously over, you know, at a neutral site, it might be different, it will it will be weird for me. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but JMU's best player, like I went to high school with and I had classes with, Kristen Gaudian, who is now a Wharton finalist. And so, I I don't know how I'm gonna react if it's if it's her standing in the way of like the team that I kind of tangentially cover winning another title. It's gonna be a very weird
0: dynamic if that happens. Weird dynamic for you. Yes, and that's that's all I'm here to say. Not for the
2: rest yeah. of us. No.
0: Nope. Uh, well, I'm glad you have brought this information out so we know who to... If James Madison beats Maryland for the, for the title, we know what to say to Thomas, everybody. Uh, anyway, let's go now to the men. I don't think they had nearly as much of a problem. Uh, no. On Sunday, they played Cornell. This was great in my household because family members went to Cornell, so I got a chance to gloat tangentially a little bit. That was amusing. But again, John Tillman teams get to the final four. Death taxes and that always happens. <sighs>
2: Yeah, it's it's getting on the verge of ridiculous. The only year that Maryland men's lacrosse hasn't made the Final Four under John Tillman, they did not have the chance to play for the right to go to the Final Four. I think now he's won by about six goals a game in his seven quarterfinal appearances. This one on insane. Sunday, it was. I was expecting it to be a lot closer. I did not think Maryland would try to shut off Jeff Teat like they did. I thought they'd be a little too prideful in their defense, which they seemed to hang their hat on, but they went with the strategy of kind of rotating three guys on. I mean, Jack Welding, who's one of their three you know, close defenders, he shadowed him a lot. When T would go behind the net, you would see Bryce Young guard him. Adam DeMillo would take him on the man down. It seemed to work. Cornell didn't really look to force him the ball, and it kind of shut them off. I mean, they got some things going late, but by that point, Maryland had, was up eight goals after dominating possession in the third quarter and running away with the game. So it was a good, it was a really good win. Probably, I would say, their best performance of the season from offensive execution to limiting them defensively to controlling possession. So going into the tournament for me, it was like I could see Maryland winning four games, but they hadn't really convinced me that they could get all the way because the last month they were not, you know, getting better like you expect championship teams to do. And the win on Sunday, I think, finally maybe think, okay, you know, now they could they could do this. Like they finally played that game that you would be expecting them to play for the last month or so.
0: And they did it really convincingly. I mean there was no doubt. It's one of those things when a team like Maryland in men's lacrosse plays like that there's just no doubt and also defensively they're great that's always been a trademark for john tillman teams and they they take pride in shutting down the other team's best weapons and they do that yeah. somewhat easily at times and then they certainly did that on sunday so again how about how about this for a final four it was either going to be johns hopkins that's easy to get motivated for or duke also easy to get motivated for it's duke so they haven't played i think in men's lacrosse since maryland left they, no, they have any sports than Maryland left the ACC, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, we I mean, can take off all the basketball anger on the lacrosse team. That'll be fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's as much of a rivalry in lacrosse. I think Maryland has a bigger advantage on Duke than they do in other sports. But the one thing I'm interested in is both teams have. Motivation, but kind of like for Maryland and Boston College on the women's side, kind of different ways. Because you have Maryland where they lose all these kind of alpha male senior leaders on their team. A lot of the leaders' team this year Connor Kelly, you know, Tim Rotan's Dan Morris, they're not super vocal guys, but they kind of want to prove, you know, they can get that team to the top and go out on top like last year. And on the other side, of you have Duke, who their senior class came in after Duke had won back to back titles. And go on to eight straight Final Fours, so they're also in that same place of trying to leave their own legacy and go out on top. Because this is Duke's first Final Four appearance for that senior class, first appearance of championship weekend since 2014. So both, both teams trying to leave their legacy.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are we thinking about this matchup? Because I have not thought about Duke in almost anything <sighs> in a long time.
2: It's. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, at this point, there are no easy opponents left. But the way Duke can score against teams... I mean, they played Villanova in the first round, too. People thought, you know, maybe should not have made the tournament. But they still put up four goals in 34 seconds at one point in that game. So they have guys who can score. They can score quickly. I think the big key will be how Maryland tries to defend Justin Gutterding, who is also a Torton finalist, actually, just at the all-time... NCA goals record I think he has 61 goals and 43 assists or 63 and 41 either way he has over 100 points and Maryland's going to have to find a way to slow Duke down because if Duke keeps getting possession I don't think Maryland's really built the way they run their offense to keep up their very patient team that doesn't take as many shots as the opposition and really just kind of almost lulls you to sleep and finds the right pass in the right window. So it it should be an interesting matchup in how each team tries to counteract the other. But well,
0: then if they play defensively the way they know they can play.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think Maryland's defense this year is as good as it's been in the past, but they've had some good games. Dan Norris, solid in goal. He's not great. He's not an All-American, but he's usually, he's usually pretty dependable. So if they get hung up, you can bail them out a good good amount of times.
0: Then, if they win, it's Albany and Yale. Interesting yep. matchup of the other game at Foxborough. Take a note if you see Bill Belichick in the stadium or if you hear Bill Belichick Manfreds. Actually, don't do a drinking game based on that because you'll be dead very quickly because Bill Belichick likes lacrosse. We all know that. But hopefully Maryland's celebrating another Memorial Day weekend of multiple national championships. They both make the Final Four. Very tough matchups, but it should be fun. ESPN 3, I believe, their game's on Friday. ESPN 2 Saturday for the men. And then yeah. ESPNU on Sunday has the women's final. And then Monday, if Maryland gets there, I think it's, it's either ESPN 2 or ESPN. It's a channel that everyone gets. So you'll be able to watch it very easily. And that hopefully all of us will be doing spending Memorial Day watching some of that go forward. And now we shift our focus, Thomas and Lamar, to more Maryland-related things, this time from the NBA Scouting Combine. And when I looked at Twitter after some of it was going on, I had that desperate pit in my stomach where it was the worst, like, double-edged sword feeling you can have because I'm happy for Maryland players and then I'm really terrified as to what's going to (laughs) happen if they all leave. So, Lamar, you watched some of the scrimmages. I decided against that for my own better judgment. It was quite an interesting day for Kevin Herter.
1: Yeah. So, I actually missed the... uh his first scrimmage live and had to go back and watch it. Well, and you still it,
0: watched it, and I didn't, so.
1: Yeah, but he looked really good that first day. Uh, I think 11 points on, I believe, three of seven shooting or something like that. It was He got all of his points in, like, the flow of the offense, played well on defense, showed pretty much everything that we've come to, like, take for granted a little bit here when he when he plays for, uh, for the Terps, but he finally got to display that in front of, like, a wide swath of NBA scouts, and they're like, oh, we've been paying attention to maybe the wrong person in College Park for the last couple years. Uh, Last
0: year.
1: (laughs) Or at least last year. Um, He turned a lot of heads, may have played his way into the first round. Um, He sat out the second, like, his second scrimmage on day two. Uh, It was also revealed that he's been playing through a... uh, torn ligament in his hand since February against Northwestern uh it's a pinky so it hasn't affected his shooting motion but teams know and that hasn't uh swayed anyone as far as I've heard and if he does well in workouts herder could be gone sooner than later Well,
0: I think it's interesting because we came into this combine assuming for Bruno Fernando was the one that was more likely to leave because of just the raw talent and the flash of it all. And Kevin Herter was going to get an idea of where he stood, presumably for next year. And then has the expectation sort of flipped or is it now Kevin Herter is more 50-50 like Bruno Fernando was in our estimation heading into the combine?
1: Uh yeah, Kevin's closer to 50/50 at this point. Um, there's also talk that a first round guarantee wouldn't even be enough for him cuz he is supremely confident in himself and believes he could be a lottery pick next year. Well, if he's getting a first round grade when we weren't expecting that much, I mean, he yeah. could
0: easily be a lottery pick
1: next year. Well, that's what we said about JJ. So well, you this always is, have this to is true,
0: But you can't forecast injuries and no one can.
1: I agree, uh, but that's the that's the issue that you have to take into account if you're Kevin Herter.
0: Well, it's also uh, interesting he, to hear that he might go back because most players in the modern college game, if they get a first-round grade, goodbye.
3: Not yeah, well,
1: Kevin, having, he, he wants to be great, and he still has yet to win a Big Ten tournament game, uh, lost his first ever NCAA tournament game, and then didn't make any postseason games this year so he's hungry so that would be that's the only motivator for him to come back is like the hunger to be better and he by all accounts he likes college park and like likes the school um bruno is still very hard to assess because he had an average combine showing there were times when he was on the court where he looked like he was being worked mentally by uh the other big men around him but it also looked like he was just Killing himself trying to keep things simple he let loose a little bit more on the second day But like his team neither one of his teams were in either game So it was hard to like it was hard to really assess his impact on either Um, but he Did he showed the things that we knew he could do he's okay in the post He has some defensive instincts and has a lot of energy But he still hasn't shown anyone that he can really step out Uh, towards the perimeter, especially the way the NBA is is shifting. Um, And while he's hit shots and drills and warm-ups and everything like that, he hasn't really implemented that into his game yet in, like, a game setting.
0: I think it's interesting because we would think, and even after the combine, I think we kind of think this all of us do, that Fernando's still more likely to leave even though – he has much more to lose if he goes to the NBA as opposed to Kevin Herter, who could probably go now. Somebody would draft him potentially very highly because he seems like, as we've said, the archetype of the modern NBA. And yet the expectations are flipped. Still, Bruno Fernando could be more likely to leave as opposed to Herter, which, again, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But when you think about it, this is the modern NBA and this is the modern college game. So I guess it looks like that. And Kevin Herter is the rarest of animals of somebody who would actually want to go back to college after potentially getting a first round grade. Well, considering this draft is insanely deep, that might be something to do with it. Thomas, what are we thinking about now? The expectations for both of them. They now have, as we record this eight days to make their decision combine drills. I don't know if they're still going on, but are probably close to being finished. But where do we think we stand now with these two players and whether they're going to come back or go?
3: Yes. I mean, the, so the combines over, Um, you know, the guys are kind of going around and, Still working out with a handful of teams. They're still obviously getting advice from everybody. The underclassmen committee, I believe, that the NBA has that gives players advice. They've all met with with that group um, and gotten advice. Obviously, we don't know what they were told. Um, I honestly feel like both guys are probably like 55 to 60% to stay right now, but I would – I still – you know, it's hard for me to forecast that both guys stay because – you know that's just getting too optimistic about something that could very realistically just not happen
0: it is true um, but when you just think about it the situations on their own, you would say that yeah, I think probably both that's accurate yeah i mean given given
3: herders you know just the the overwhelming talk around him and you know what I've read and what I've heard is that is that yes he, you know he even with a first round like even with a late first round guarantee he seems to think that you know, he, he seems to prefer the notion of returning to college for another year playing for a, a good team. Because
0: he a next year. On a, Potentially. If this Maryland team is actually good, and there are a lot of caveats to whether they will be good or not, but if they're actually good and they can contend in the way that you think they might contend, he could be a superstar next year. And if sure. he's a superstar, then suddenly you're looking at lottery pick as opposed to maybe somebody takes you 28th 29th and you're stashed in the G League.
3: Next year's draft also isn't as strong or deep. And so uh, it's going to be easier for draft
0: that I have ever seen. And next year, I mean, it you never know, but it's quite possible it's not nearly as good as this.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what every all the draft people say is that just it's not supposed to be quite as deep this coming year. And so, you know, there's just a lot more room for guys like this to really blow up and become lottery talents. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to to what extent they do that is obviously up to them and very hard to determine now. But I think given given their situations, I'm not seeing a lot of mocks that
0: project Fernando in the first round. Oh, I, think, I don't think that he's going to be a first-round pick. You would yeah. have to probably blow away at the combine, and he didn't really do that. You would be he drafting didn't. at this point for raw tools – and especially because, like, the seven-foot big man, the old-school seven-foot big man, is not really in vogue in the NBA until it will be again. Who knows when it will be? But until then, he he would have had to impress in a way that he – I don't think from what I've seen, yeah. he didn't really impress. So he has more to lose going to the NBA. But then again – Here's the thing. Is he's only like six, the six
3: foot – he's only six foot 9.75. So – You know, it's not even, you know, he's listed as 6'10", and obviously
1: that rounds
3: up to 6'10". But, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, power forward numbers or stretch five numbers. And he has a jumper. And he showed a little bit of it during the season. He showed a little bit of it at the Combine. But another year of, you know, showing that you have that jumper, he'll get, I I think he'll get more opportunities to really showcase a sort of a well-rounded game and to develop in-game situations at Maryland than he would either on an NBA bench or in G League.
0: I think so, too, but then again... That's, that's my take. Fernando, also, Fernando was always more 50-50 before this combine, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's changed his
1: mind, whatever happened here. Well, two things to keep an eye... Well, and, well, one thing to keep an eye on that applies to both of them is that each of them are the opposite like best fit for like this class uh, uh, next class so this year there's a lot of centers at the top which is why Bruno should return to school he, and he's not it's unlikely to receive like a first round draft grade from a lot of people there's a lot of franchise changing or even just like starting quality centers at the top of the draft that make it hard period for him to slip into that first round and then but that's the exact reason why herder could slip into this first round because it's a big, heavy draft and not a lot of wings that really can play immediately. You have, like, Mikael Bridges, Miles Bridges. But other than that, it's a lot of points, a lot of bigs. Next year, it flips a little bit, where you have a lot of these wings who are coming into college now, Nasir Little, R.J. Which R.J. is this?
3: Barrett. RJ, Barrett.
1: R.J. Barrett, yes. <laughs> Although, I mean, he's 6'8", um, 6'9", six, six, though. Yeah, but there's, a, there's just a lot more wings, because Zion's going to come out uh, if Herger comes back, he's absolutely gonna be slotted in those in that that lottery like section. But if Fernando comes back, he has a lot more to gain as well because at the top you have Bowl Bowl probably and oh, that's the Omari Smellman ever. if he comes back, oh. but there's not a whole lot of bigs in next year's draft class. How at much the fun moment? are we
0: gonna have watching Manute Bowl's son play basketball next year? Well, oh you you you're going you're, you're to have much. to
2: stay up late cuz he's I'm, playing I'll at Oregon. I'll
0: stay up late to watch Manu I don't care. Bill Walton I'll watch. games that the Paulson oh, is Bill playing.
3: Walton
0: 100%. Oh. oh my.
3: Oh my
2: Dude, oh That's God.
3: that's hazardous. Con- yeah. That's like that got, that has to come with a
0: public health warning.
2: Bowl, Bull, Bull Bill Walton and the Conference of Champions. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, don't have to put the games on HBO cuz they'll be pac 12 after dark literally. Oh, he just came in there like a bowling ball. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Bill. It's, it's going to be all stuff oh god okay before we get too deep into the weeds there um i I think for maryland i mean obviously we all want them to come back we're biased but you know when you see this kind of thing thomas when you see how kevin herter is getting that kind of reaction from how he played in the scrimmage you're just like "Uh uh-oh it's that it's a weird feeling like you want these players to succeed but then again if kevin herter comes back i mean it's almost a guarantee now that he leaves after next year but if he comes back and Fernando comes back with the potential team that they have, you're now looking at one that on paper, and again, on paper is different than in practice, but on paper, you're looking at a team that could threaten to be a top 25 team with multiple potential superstars. And you don't get those opportunities very often. And this is one that might not come around for a bit again with a good group of freshmen and then veterans and Cowan, Herder and Fernando who could reasonably take this team to a level it hasn't seen in a couple of years. And the thought of that maybe going away because of a very good combine performance for one or both of them is not the thing that I think I was expecting to feel as a Maryland fan, but it's one that seems very Maryland basketball that it could happen.
3: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that whole thing was that everyone kind of expected her to, you know, to come back and probably leave after next year. And Fernando was more mm-hmm. iffy. And then Herder played himself into kind of this first round, question mark, maybe, perhaps, you know, mid to late second at worst. And so that's one that, you know, a lot of guys leave for. And so so that's, you know, kind of the surprise of that. If they both return,
0: Maryland's probably a top 15
1: team. I don't want to
0: go that far. I don't want to go that far. I don't want to go that far. It's a risk to say that.
1: At least preseason. This at least a preseason top yeah. Well, they were
0: preseason really high in twenty fifteen sixteen, and then if you mentioned that they were year,
1: preseason number two, I, I know you I,
0: mentioned that to Maryland fans, and they're gonna freak out. So let's, I'm gonna pump the brakes. But you think about it next year, like the Big this Penn is
3: thirteen is, spots lower than that.
0: I know, so, but even like, then, it's still Maryland fine. doesn't get to that point very often, and this is the once in every four or five year team that has the potential to come forward and even just thinking about the big 10 it's nowhere near what it was so like there will be people if they all come back to say that maryland could win the big 10 oh jesus christ
1: <laughs> oh boy right, so man. anyway so
0: anyway let's let's move on let's
1: mm-hmm. move on let's move on. Not even go there
0: uh let's move on quickly we, we've
3: we gone move. way too close to a bridge that we don't want to cross right now
0: a bridge that is not structurally sound anyway Thomas, uh, I said that it was going to get progressively worse in air quotes with talking about sports. The softball season ended like 12 days ago. We ended with a whimper. At least they made the conference tournament. They were winning their
3: conference tournament game against a team that beat them, I think, 20-2 to two in the regular season. And well, so they were winning that game, and then they lost the game, and now they're done.
0: That's so sad. And then the baseball team had some promise and then got swept by Indiana, and now their season's over.
3: Yeah, that was that was a weird and confusing and, like, heartbreaking for those guys kind of a deal because, you know, Maryland controlled its own destiny. You know, pr- probably I think they knew that winning two out of three would have been enough. Um, you know, Michigan State was really the other team to keep an eye on. Michigan State lost its first game, kind of blew a lead. Maryland was up 5-2 in the eighth and then blew it. Um, then kind of just self-destructed after that. They couldn't get anything going on Saturday. And then Michigan State won, so Maryland lost control of its own destiny. And then Michigan State won before Maryland even played on, on Sunday.
0: I called a situation like that. Or, in a or, no, that was that was a tournament. Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. It was, it was awkward. This is the middle of a second game of a doubleheader. So it's awkward when you know that the team is basically like eliminated after having a lead and then blowing it. So it happened in much the same way. And this games I call it, was it was brutal. So for Maryland, this is the first time since they made the Big Ten, that they joined the Big Ten, I should say, that they didn't make the conference tournament because so they've been a very good program the last couple of years, a very consistent one. And this year just kind of went south fast.
3: Yeah, it, it was one of those nothing ever got going. You know, I mean, Marty Costas, I mean, he was supposed to be like this star. He hit 320 last year with 13 homers and was drafted – kind of late but came back and then he hit 240 this year and i mean he was hitting he was hitting under 200 for a lot of the season and then so many other guys saw their averages drop nick dunn was the one guy who like really made a leap forward and he should be probably a top handful of rounds pick um in june so
0: a couple of weeks it's kind of crazy yeah
3: and so we'll Uh, hear we'll hear we'll hear from nick dunn then and i don't expect to hear from anyone else um it happens. The the starting pitching was kind of weird. I mean, all every pitcher had some moments. Um Taylor Bloom started the season well, Hunter Parsons finished the season well, Tyler Bloom was okay and never really more than okay. Um the bullpen was weird in that their best reliever was a guy who didn't pitch last year, who is also senior first baseman Kevin Biondick. And even he kind of fell apart at the end of the year. He had, like, a .5 ERA, and now he finished at 2.7. So, and that was the lowest ERA on the team. And so, I mean, everything kind of just, the few things that went right kind of trailed off. And a lot of things just kind of went wrong all season and didn't correct themselves. You know, there's a lot of the team stuff with, like, didn't hit with runners in scoring position. Pitchers gave up too many walks. You know, a a lot of those things, those all just add up. And then, you know, if your bullpen's not good enough, you know, you don't win a lot of close games. They didn't win it. They, they struggled in midweek games because they didn't have a good midweek starter and then starting rotation. So it, there were just a lot of things that never got resolved.
0: So it's a lost season and hopefully next year is better is what you're telling me. Yeah. I mean, assuming
3: they have these two top hundred recruits coming in well, that's and good. assuming those, assuming those guys don't end up getting drafted high. Then they'll be fine, okay. and assuming that, and assuming that no one besides Dunn, you know, leaves for the draft, from you know the current team, they return enough pieces that they they should be in fine position. They should be probably in a similar spot to where we expected them to be this year, which conference is conference tournament. Well, at least in there. I mean, Maryland was one of the you know handful of favorites in the conference this year, entering the year.
0: Well, I was trying not to. That because it made me more sad and depressed. Yeah, well, we're journalists, so... I know.
3: That's well, a thing that happens. it's sad
0: and depressing. Uh, we will end this podcast with some good news. Maryland is going to have a corner nicknamed Tank in 2019. That is amazing. Yeah, and, a, and, a, and like a small tank, too. Like, a small tank. Not like a Sherman tank, but something smaller than that. But still very effective.
3: Yeah, but not a fish tank, either. Like, definitely, no. definitely a robust,
0: this a robust specimen. This is the match game supermatch I've ever heard.
3: Yeah, yeah, anyway. Um yeah, but his his first name is Tavion and he is No one's gonna a call a four star corner. Yeah, so I mean he's a four star corner who, you know, obviously will remind a lot of like Don Marcus quote tweeted our tweet when we announced, you know, when we posted the story and he said he's built like Will Likely and hits like Antoine Brooks. And that sounds about right to me.
0: Sounds like a but, good combination. You know, from
3: what I know. Sounds like a good combination, exactly. So so that's that's what Maryland should be getting. A lot of bigger schools, you know, it, it's the same thing as likely as a lot of bigger schools weren't sure with his height. Maryland's like, oh, we've we've dealt with that height before. We've done good things with that, and so turned out to be a good fit. He's from, you know, the Virginia Beach area where, you know, Maryland's gotten a handful of guys before.
0: They have good so, connections down there.
3: Yeah, and that's that's with the new staff especially.
0: I forget who the who the connection was, but they, Chris Beatty. They, thank you. Very good connections. Tyler DeSue came from that area. so And the
3: surprising. Gaddy twins and Taj K Park.
0: Yep, so it's not a surprise to see a lot of the good Darryl players Jones. that Maryland gets could come from there. And then, this is the most Maryland thing I've ever seen. They get a quarterback commitment, Lamar. They get a quarterback commitment that is so good and so amazing that he's not rated by
1: 24-7. Yeah, man, you got you to gotta make sure that you find the diamonds in the roughs. I don't know where they found this kid. Can, it's the
0: only way you can get decent quarterbacks, let's be honest, because either they don't come to Maryland, they go to Ohio State instead, or they all get injured.
1: Well, this is this is injury insurance because there's still a lot of quarterbacks on the roster ahead of this guy. Uh David Summers is his name. He'll get a rating soon enough. Um I Yeah, to apparently Star, by the way. Okay, cool. Uh true, sure, sure. And then apparently Canada found him. For his for the offense. So, if Kansas uh, picked this guy, he, he must know what he wants out of him in terms of production down the line. And it just keeps a nice little, uh, nice little train of quarterbacks just in the stable. Because at this point, you have Piggy and Kaseem Hill returning from ACL tears. Fort still has two more years. Um, Tyler DeSoues here for four years, and now David Summers to keep that train going.
0: And you know what? I hope he's good because you know he's gonna play at some point. This is <laughs> yeah. This is this is Maryland. You know they're gonna play at some point, and because they always get injured.
1: Uh, and it's probably before you want them to. And do.
0: that's exactly what I was about to say. And that's that's on the unfortunate way it all goes. Uh, I wanted to mention this off the top of the show, but I forgot because there's so much to get to. Uh, Thomas, there's another Testudo Times podcast that isn't called that, but it's one that you did with Lamar and company. And you get a chance to plug it now, so you should go do that.
3: Ah, ah, okay. So, thing is called Outtakes. We'll, we'll throw the to link. Do you two T's in the name? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just call it Outtakes, but I, I've stylized it. As you know, know. the two T's.
0: Very clever, sir.
3: Why, thank you. I, I thought about that. I thought about all that for too long. Did um, you? I've had the idea for that show for like several months, and it just never was a thing that I ended up being able to do. Like when we did the, we did an interview with Danny O'Brien over the summer, and we were planning to do more of those, and just more of those didn't end up happening. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been sort of the precursor to. To this kind of show, Um, but it didn't lead to that. And maybe you know what we did with talking, talking about playing volleyball and dodgeball, and just and Fortnite. Most importantly, Daryl Morcel has won in Fortnite with no kills. Wow! And he
0: should go play ninja. (laughs) uh, About that. And you know what? And you know what? That would be the best success Maryland has had in any sort of athletic endeavor since 2001. I, I have to say. Sure.
3: <laughs> I, I don't have a follow-up joke for that. All I know is that if they had to send someone, they'd send Kevin Harder because Kevin's, like, all in on Fortnite. Of course they I are. I mean,
1: you got to show off that
3: versatility. Yeah. Of no, course. Kevin's versatile. So,
0: of course. So, if he doesn't get the grade he's expecting at the scouting combine, he'll play the 2K League.
3: Yeah, but I, th- I think you're allowed to play the 2K League and still be in college, right? I
0: bet you probably I can. Think?
3: Yeah. Does Maryland have think a Fortnite
0: so. team yet? They have a League of Legends team.
3: I don't know. Fortnite's
0: still too young.
1: But oh, it's we not, should definitely, oh,
0: it's not too young if you look on Twitter every day.
1: Speaking of that, we should definitely try to link up with our League of Legends team, two-time Big Ten 20 champions.
0: <laughs> More success than everybody outside of lacrosse has been having.
1: So on the next, next <laughs>
3: episode of Outtakes.
0: Yes. <laughs> there you go. There's the next episode. Good transition, sir. Yeah,
3: so I I, I don't know when our next episode's going to be. We're going to have a handful of them over the summer. Um, you know, it depends on really just how available all of us are, um, you know, try and see which guests we can get, who's available for that. And as, as the fall comes in during football season, yeah, I mean, it's talking to people about, you know, the things that they're not always answering questions about is, is really what I'm going for.
0: You're talking you're talking to student athletes about being students is basically what you're doing. Um, well, that
3: was the first one for sure. I mean, and we're probably going to do some of that again. I don't um, think
0: it'll be a lot of fun with with not even well, yeah. Of course, it'll be fun with football and basketball, but I think more with the smaller sports that not many people. Know. For sure,
3: I mean, because a lot of those guys, you know, like the basketball team hangs out with mostly each other, um, just because it's you know it's it's a small close knit group. Football is a larger close knit group. You know, th- I mean, the other teams are obviously like close with each other, but you know, they're n- most of them aren't you know. You given walk housing and next and say, oh, to each
0: other i had class with x y and z from small sports yeah i mean i mean stuff. and
3: so you'll yeah and so i mean you'll see more of those players around you know you'll see a lot of you know baseball players randomly on campus you'll see you know you'll see whatever and you know that's just a part of campus life and you know we no one ever really writes about it no one ever talks about it and I decided there was, a, there was a place for that. So there is a place for that. More, of that. more of that is on the
0: way. And it also kind of combines what I wanted to do with this podcast for a long time, but I got lazy, which was bringing in people from the outside to talk about Maryland. Like, getting people who are Maryland alums. I thought of always, like, journalists, because there are a lot of them, or broadcasters, to talk about yeah, Maryland. Yeah, and that's something
3: that I was probably going to try and do as well.
0: And if you do get those, certain ones, then I have to be on said show, because we've tried that a couple of times on this podcast, and it was hilarious. And I've enjoyed it immensely, but there are still others that I think we should try. And then we'll keep it That might be a good replacement for this kind of show. Because in the summer, what's going on? Nothing. So that's the kind of show you do in the summer, and it allows us to get something out. And I, I really liked it when I listened to it. It doesn't have enough hits on SoundCloud yet, so you should absolutely listen to it. I'll make sure that you can have a link in the uh, description to this show so you can listen to it as well. I might even link both podcasts in there so you can listen to That takes episode one and expect to see more of them coming very soon because it's a good idea for a show. And I don't know many people that do this when it comes to college teams. You know, you don't get to hear from a lot of the the athletes on things like Fortnite, which is something I think most of them would like to talk about now. That's the hope. That's, well, if you've seen how everyone talks about it on Twitter, I would assume everybody's playing Fortnite except me, but that's okay. I'm all right being uncool. I'll let everybody else take that so next week we should be doing the show right after we know when kevin herter and bruno fernando have made their decisions hopefully we're celebrating double national champions again like we did last year that would be awesome but we'll probably be here next wednesday after all the decisions are made unless the decisions are being made at 9 59 eastern time and then you might wait until thursday mellow Trimble buzzer beater as thomas reminded us very nicely of back in 2016 a couple of years ago uh, when he made his decision at like 10 o'clock at night. If that's the case, then maybe wait till the morning. But we should do something next week on that, and that's probably when you will hear us again. Thanks to everybody who was here. Big show. We don't often get two people outside of Thomas on this show. Uh, Justin, you still there?
2: Yes, we, I'm still we here.
0: We didn't forget about you.
2: No, I just don't know as much about some of the other stuff or have the uh, humor to contribute.
0: Well, everybody can be funny in their own way. Sometimes we laugh at people and not with them, but that's okay. We're still laughing. Everybody can be made fun of, including the host. The host is terrible at making jokes, and, you know, sometimes I get a funny one in there. Uh, And, hey, we made jokes about Fortnite, so I think we're topical. Boy, if we ever listen to these podcasts like 10 years and we're talking about Fortnite jokes, it's going to sound so dated and so lame. I just realized that. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, it, it will certainly be, but that's okay. Or
1: Fortnite would have taken over the world and we're just ahead of our time. What, like Look at it that way. One? Yeah, man. Right. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but Fortnite. The dog. Fortnite is Does love, Fortnite is life. I was in
0: the go book. In the book. Anyway, before we get way too into the weeds and I start referencing another podcast that uh, is not related to Maryland in any way, uh, we will see you next week. Enjoy Memorial Day. Enjoy the final four, both men's and women's cross. Until then,
1: of course, Thank you.